And I remember the first bell going, I kid you not, it was something like I've never, ever experienced in my whole life what a boxer this man was. Really? He sent me back to the corner and I looked up and it was 7-0 to him. It'd be silly of me to sit here and go, no, nah, I've been in the ring. But he's very, extremely clever. Very clever. Before you boxed in someone like Glofkin, you were expecting you in this ring with this robot to be... Something goes through your head like, this man's unbelievable. Look mm. what he's done. He's got you on the undercard and Eubank beats Ben. He's got an absolute mega fight. Of course. And then obviously if Ben goes on, he's still, he's still got a massive fight. But of course. He's playing chess whilst other are playing checkers, isn't he? Yeah, but look, Eddie's when it comes to business, and one thing that you got to give Eddie is that he's never, ever, ever like failed to deliver. I can see it from one to four will be the hardest rounds Tyson's ever had for a long while. But after four, Tyson's just too big. Yeah. And one thing I wouldn't want Tyson to see here is let people start hyping him up. You're a big heavyweight puncher. Hi guys, my name's Luke and welcome to Keep A Luke Out, episode five. One of the most technically gifted fighters to have ever come from Great Britain. On today's show, we have the great Billy Joe Saunders. How are you, Billy? I'm good, my man, you? Yeah, very good. Thank you for coming today, mate. Pleasure, pleasure. Let's get started. Um, Billy, in your professional career so far, can you share with me some of your happiest moments, memories or periods that you can think of? I think, obviously, the happiest moment probably being world champion the first time because everybody, it was a, a childhood dream to be world champion and obviously just going back to the hotel that night knowing like I've done it like is a big big like it was a big it was a big surreal moment for me like I really? woke up the next morning I remember just like waking up in the hotel the next morning I think was that a dream really realised that oh, it was true you know and it's, 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 it is a surreal moment and uh, <clears throat> things like that they live with you forever yeah did you get to bed that night do you remember you do you know what I didn't go to sleep till about 5 o'clock in the morning didn't like it must have been about 5 <laughs> and um I woke up about seven, had a bit of breakfast and that, went down with my dad and having a chat and then we headed back home and, you know, but it was just so exhausting, you know, like, yeah, it was like I worked all my life for that moment and then it just zapped you. Yeah. And um, it was good though, it was good, it was a good feeling. But then obviously when you get involved in boxing and, you know, it's sort of like, pfft. people say to me, oh, you don't live too well outside the ring, you blow up and this and that. But after that moment, it was sort of, was that it sort of thing? Really, yeah. It hits you and then you, yeah, like, you're looking for the next buzz again. Yeah, like, was that <laughs> it? But, yeah, that was a good moment. That was a very good yeah. moment. Well, maybe that's a good trait of yours, the fact that it didn't take long until you wanted to go again. Maybe that's a... And you know, maybe a lot of people lose that buzz after the first world title. And yeah, I think it's, uh, it's sort of a... In boxing, it can be a love-hate game at any time. You could be so in love with it, then hate it. It's just, uh, it's just a game that... You know, there's ups and downs, there's controversies in it. You know, there's there, there's a lot in boxing to make you love it and hate it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, if it wasn't for boxing, I'd probably be in a very bad place, like growing up and where I come from yeah. to, you know, where I ended oh, up. Look, so boxing's done a lot for me and I. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're in a good place. That's the one. Um, so what about your darkest moment in boxing? So what would you say is your uh, kind of darkest period or memories or moments that you've been through, would you say? So I'd say it'd probably be failing a drug test. Mm. You know, it'd probably be failing a drug test. Um, you know, training away for a fight, uh, defending my uh, middleweight title, and and then just 
I was remember I was playing FIFA, and then I had a call. Billy Joe, hello, yeah, you've failed a drug test. And you know, this is the reason why I was I'm so like when it comes to like I've been very vocal about it when it comes to Connor Ben. Mm. Give him a chance because nobody knows what you go through from that sort of phone call to where your head is to you look online to you know it, a lot of things went and I literally I never wanted to look at boxing again. I thought uh, I was I thought I was stitched up. Yeah, wanted to have an inhaler. Yeah, it was a nasal spray, and then like you was it it would just went from bad to worse, and then obviously once whatever happens in life bad, it always seems the worst when you first get the news like it's yeah. the end of the but then you know you realize that you know there's a lot of other people out there with much bigger problems you know losing kids and losing family members and and when you like look at it i was just trying to put in my head because i was so i remember just going for a walk sitting down on a bench and just thinking for about two hours just thinking how how is this yeah and it's sort of like you can't really get your head around it you've had a massive eye yeah, because All then, the yeah, because you, you're looking online, you think, fuck me, like, yeah, for a minute or two, you look and think, fuck, I failed a drug yeah, test, yeah. you know, and, but. What a performance, by the way, that David Lemieux. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it was, it was one of them where it was, it sort of made me, it learnt me a lot, shall I say, because even now moving forward, like, I'm very, like, even a drink, anything at all. Like on Varda, like it was on Varda I was signed up to, you know, and um, I'm very, very strict when Varda's involved or when even UCAD is to make sure that, you know, I'll have a Thomas check it or Gregor check it. Is that all right? Are you sure? Double check the website. Are you sure? No, it's all right, mate. Yeah, but have a look. Like, because it, it fucks with dread. Yeah. Big up to Tom, by the way. He's, he's a great Yeah, he's great a good man. He's you, a good man. Yeah. He does a lot. He does a lot for me. And uh, obviously, we've. Moved on now to managing fighters and that together yeah. and, and moving on forward. And, you know, it's, it, boxing's a good game to be around. It's a good game to be around, but everybody just wants to be at the top and, and everybody gets their chance in boxing. Everybody gets their chance. So it'd be nice to bring somebody through. Is there anything looking back now from your childhood that stands out as being a key moment as to why you ended up being as successful in boxing as you've become? Do you know what? I always... Being a young kid, obviously where we grew up from, we didn't really have much. And, you know, to see someone in a good car or to see someone in, you know, uh, it was always an incentive to think, oh, one day I wouldn't, I wouldn't want them, I wouldn't, you know. And, you know, watching Joe Kozaki and Prince Nazim Ahmed, remember just watching their ring walks and it, it was everything surrounding the show, like the night thriller and all of that, just watching it all and getting the DVDs and just, visualizing one day I'm going to be there and I want to do that. And that was one thing I think what really drew, drew me on a lot. Tell me about your first amateur boxing fight. Can you remember that well? I do remember it very well, to be fair. Do you know what? <clears throat> Sometimes this runs for my head a lot because it was at the Epping Forest Country Club and I were 29 kilo. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I was 20. And I can, believe it or not, I can remember so much from this day. I can remember so much from this day because I've got very good memory. And I can remember so much from this day. It was like, you'd be surprised. Like, I can remember. And I think, I, when I look back, I think, how do I even remember that much? Like, what went on and how I felt. And I can even, sometimes I think about it now. 
think, oh, I can remember that. It's been all them years ago. It was my first amateur fight. And I stopped him in two rounds. You stopped him, yeah. Yeah. I stopped my first battle as did well. You? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was probably like the equivalent of winning the world title. Oh, it was what a buzz, eh? It, what a buzz it was. <laughs> yeah. And I remember it was at the Epping Forest Country Club and I was just absolutely buzzing. Yeah. And uh, it was a very, very good night. Good for you. Did you have a lot of, pre- did you feel like a lot of pressure on you that night even when you... Do you know what? <clears throat> I've never really been the one to, especially growing up, because I had like 28 gym shows. Oh, did you? Yeah, I had 28 gym shows. I had a lot of gym shows. Wow. And um, it was sort of like, I just couldn't wait to get the gym show side out of it, to get the winners and losers sort yeah. of thing, you know? I, most of my gym shows, I got beat up. Oh, really? Yeah. Because you're boxing older kids, I'd imagine. Yeah, I was just chucked yeah. in. When we was in the Chesham Amateur Boxing Club, there were um, an old matchmaker called Charlie Bliss. And me and my brother was the ones out the gym that every year a title was coming through. We were like the bankers to bring a title back yeah, to the club. Yeah. <laughs> so it, when there was like a club fight, it wouldn't matter if they were, if he could give whatever age you were, if he give whatever, yeah, yeah, that fight. And it was like we was in there, we, we was always up against it in a Don't way. Don't you the world a good yeah, in the I long did, run, did. Though, mate? Yeah, that's, um, that's amazing. Um, I heard when you were younger, Joe Kawasaki come to your gym. Yeah. What was that like for you? Can you can Do you know you what? That? I remember <clears throat> obviously watching him and that on, on TV and... I'm sure Frank had a show. I don't know where it was now where Joe were fighting. And I remember him coming to Chesham Boxing Club. And I remember walking in and seeing him in the bag. And Like lightning. He was punching the bag. And that's all <laughs> I can remember. Like of, Everyone was standing back watching him. But I remember just walking right over, standing probably a foot away from him while he's working, and just watching him like... That's and he, give me, he touched my hand and gave me like, and had a little conversation with him for like a minute. He was training for a fight and... It was just like a dream, really, to watch yeah. him. Well, it was great see him in real flesh. to be able to get close to it and, you know, to be able to... I think... It's, it, and look, do you yeah, know what? Every, every, like, box I've met growing up who I've always been interested in, like, being a kid, they've always given me a lot. Tim Witherspoon, I met him at a show, and, like, they'll always, they always used to give me the time of day, and I used yeah. to, like, ask them probably silly questions. Right. And they, they used to just uh, react back with me, and it was very good of them to do that. And I sort of like try to do the same myself. How how did becoming a father so young change you as a person? Well, big time because <clears throat> there was um, I used to do like I used to do uh, roofing and uh, jet washing. Like sixteen. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you know, as from being the travelling community, all travelling kids are. You know, their, their, their education is taught out of school. You know, most of them. Hands on. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's more like they become men very, very young. And, and um, I remember, like, I had a little, my first boy, 16 now, and I remember having him on the way, and I was thinking, like, at one stage, I'd give up boxing. I was thinking, I can't box. I've got to go and get a few quid, my mm. son. And, and I remember sitting at the bottom of the site in Atfield thinking, do I go left today? Do I go right? Where do I like? Oh, wow. You know, at 17, you know, and it was a lot of pressure because like my dad, he's he's been a very, very good dad, but we would never go to him for a hand or a help out. Mm. Like we've not been brought up like that. We'd go and do it how we could, the best we could. Yeah. And um, I remember like working for three days, doing this job for three days, jet washing. And this is the time I wasn't going to box anymore. I thought, you know what? I haven't really got time. Like, and then I did this job for three days. 
it was like, I think it would have been for like two grand or 2,500 quid, something like that. And at the end of it, he'd give me the elbow. He didn't pay me. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah, but do you know what? It was the probably one of the bestest things that happened to me because at the end of it, I thought, do you know what? This ain't for me. I'm going back boxing. Might, might, might as well go boxing. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I'm just going yeah. so I can thank him for that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But That's great. I went back boxing then and, um, and obviously started my career really putting my teeth into it to get to um, the Olympics. Yeah. Um, is it true, by the way, that you won your first 40 senior amateur fights? My, full, my first 49. Is that true, yeah? Yeah. yeah wow. And um, That's literally almost impossible to do, right? <laughs> yeah, but do you know what? I, for me, it was, I was so confident because everything I was thinking, right, I'm going to do this. Like, even from, because I was supposed to be on the 20... Uh, 12 Olympic team. Yeah. And obviously, like, I was thinking, oh, I've got a kid here. Like, I want to turn pro. I need to try to get to 2008. And I only got 18 months to do it. Wow. And they kept me, they kept me busy, man. I was going everywhere. Gosh, gosh. Because, like, Neil Perkins at the time, he were on, they had podium and development. I was obviously on development. Because you were so young. Yeah, and he yeah. was on podium. But I won absolutely, I was winning everything on development as well. I was, you know, I was winning absolutely everything. You was, was, yeah, you were special even then because when they had, I watched a documentary of you um, on B, it was like on the trans sport yeah, or something. Yeah, that it? was yeah, it. So. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and um, even at seventeen, it was clear that you were the one that they were kind of fixated on. I think because you were so young. Yeah. So about amateur boxing, um, sorry, not the only one you were fixated on. There was obviously other other people they've all gone and, and done great but i think because you were so young that yeah. made you stand out even more and yeah. I, in, like in my opinion i think growing up so young probably yeah. having a kid probably yeah. helped, helped you become a man can you explain what it was like this this would have been my fantasy when i was younger um can you explain what it was like being an amateur flying around competing in boxing tournaments with your mates and do you have any fond memories that stand out to you from the early days that you can share like countries you went to or tournaments or... Do you know what? Me and... Uh, me, James DeGale. He loves you, by the way. Tony Jeffries, <laughs> Frankie Gavin, <laughs> Stephen Smith, Joe Murray, Kelly Fi, Big David Price, Danny Price. I mean, because I was relatively new to the... Like, I just come on the podium. But when I first come on the podium, I was obviously just... A kid, do you know what I mean? Like they were still, we, they were all young, but I were like they were really, three or four yeah, years older than you. Though I were really young, like yeah. they were in their twenties, mm. and like I were like seventeen year old. And I remember like going in and seeing Tony Bellew, and Tony Bellew was like the old man. David Price and him was like the old man of the squad. Yeah, and then Tony turned pro, but it was only really David Price who could really control me. Oh, really? Yeah, because where I had so much respect for him. It was like, if I was playing up, he'd go, lad, don't do that. But do, and I'd go, where if someone else, I'd say, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like any of the other lads, like they were probably doing it with me most of the times, but he was the only one. And the memories we had, I look back at it now, and at the time, I used to really hate the time of being at Sheffield really? because I were there for like, I were there thinking I'm here just for a shortcut to get to this pro game and do the best I can here. And I were yeah. just there like, I would train very hard as we all trained very hard, obviously, because we wouldn't have got to where we got to, but it was very like boring in a way for us. Monotonous. 
Yeah, because like we had to go from Monday to Thursday. Yeah. Every week. And, they let, and then they let you out on Friday. And then they let you home <laughs> on Friday, but you're back up there Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah, so like you're back up there Monday morning, and it was like, listen, no, really, listen, what 17-year-old wants a job? And at the time, on the podium... Like I had a kid, and on at the at the sorry at the development, I was four. I was on four hundred and seventeen quid a month. And then when I went to podium, it was like two grand a month. Yeah, and it was like a big difference, you know. So I thought, Do you know what, you were this balling. Is, yeah, this is a little <laughs> bit different now. Yeah, and uh, you know, well, first of all, I was looked I was looked after by a man called Jim Davison, who I got to thank very very much really for my career because he was the man who gave me my chance to spar Neil Perkins on the podium for you to earn your stripes yeah and yeah. he was saying to terry edwards listen i've got a kid here he's very very good and terry at the time was interested in getting medals he was under pressure yeah by the lottery funding um to run it and he was under pressure to like deliver medals and deliver all that these championships and he put a lot of money into neil perkins and a lot of time invested like you can imagine you know the the funding what funds the um I forgot what it's called. It's, the, it's like the National Lottery Fund. Yeah, Lottery Fund. Fund. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And, uh, you know, they're paying for a lot. They're probably paid for like 60 or 70 trips for him, probably more. You know, he had a lot of experience. So they've probably got like, I don't know, let's say accommodation, everything. Yeah, they've probably got a lot of money yeah. invested in him. Yeah. And um, I remember sparring him. had a very good sparring. And he was like, come back and do it again. Like, yeah. this is um, Terry Edwards. So I come back and did it again. Brilliant. And then he went, all right. He said, I'm going to send you to a, to a tournament, he said. The strand, the first tournament I got sent to was the Stranger tournament. From being seventeen, I didn't know what Stranger was. I knew it was in Bulgaria, and then like we was going over there. Me and Chunky was on the bus, and Stephen Smith and Stephen was going to me. This year tournament lads a very good tournament to win. He was like, sorry, Tom Stalker. It was Stephen yeah. Smith didn't go. It was Tom Stalker, yeah. and Chunky was saying like, there's some good kids here, Billy Joe. And I was thinking, like that was mentioning the Cubans and all the Uzbeks, and I was thinking. Let's have it. Yeah, like yeah, oh. like I'm not. I don't, all right, they're good. Yeah, but so am I. I was yeah, like, I have good confidence. Yeah, it's amazing. They're and, good, but so am I. And then the first, the first draw I got was the Cuban, Carlos Banter, and they was going. Look, if you just put up a good fight, if you go in there and you do very, very well, I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm not come here to do well. I'm thinking I'm going to win, and I went in and beat him. And then I beat, I was the only one to win gold there, to be fair, of all wow. the team. So yeah, obviously, amazing. Terry Edwards had to look at that and think, all right. And then he just kept me absolutely, I was just going everywhere then. Yeah. He was absolutely sending me everywhere. Neil Perkins, he, um, he, f he went to the uh, Olympic qualifier in, um, New was it New York? Wherever it was, I think it was in New York. But he didn't qualify, he got beat by Belarusian. And then I went to somewhere else and boxed this Belarusian. Same fella. Yeah, and I stopped him on the 15-point rule. And then Terevs was like, he was like my mate then, because he didn't really like me at you first. Really? I was a bit cheeky. I was a little bit a little bit too, probably a little bit too young, really, for him to even have a chat with. Like, he'd give me a little bit of advice. And Terry, I got a thank as well, because he put up with some shit for me. Do you know what I mean? He put up with some absolute shit after I qualified. Yeah, he, I, um... I, I used to, <coughs> when Terry come off the 2008 squad, he, cause he lives in, uh, around Kent area yeah. and I was training at a boxing gym, um, that he used to come down and do some training with. And yeah. I used to, I used to do pads with Terry and I got on really well with him. Yeah. And he always said to me, 
he always loved you. And he always used to say to me that I can't remember who, well, I know who it was, but I won't say, but he said that one of the boxers was so lazy that the only way he could get him to work out was to push his car around the car park. <laughs> <laughs> he said he had to get him to push his car around the car park. But yeah, Terry was, um, he, was a, he was a good coach, wasn't he? Terry? Do you know what? A lot of people, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of people didn't, I used to hear a lot of mixed things about him. Like, oh yeah, he's this, he's that. But I suppose when you're in the position he's in, you know, the amount of fighters you're seeing come in the gym and then you've got to go no to all of them and yes to a small group of people, they probably are going to think, you know, they're probably going to think, oh, mate, he's a cunt, he didn't pick me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. But with him, he always gave everybody the opportunity. Yeah. He always gave everybody a fair, even myself, he gave me a fair opportunity, he always gave me good advice and he always was strict. You know, and uh, I loved working with him. Yeah, I used to love doing pads with him. I loved well. working yeah. with him. I liked it. And it was when he, it was like he knew so much about the amateur game. Because it, 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 when I'd be boxing someone, he was there, he'd go, right, he'd know about them already. Like he was very, very, very clever. He had a lot of boxing knowledge. One more on amateur, and then, then, then we'll get into the pros. Um, what was your hardest amateur fight you ever had? Is there anyone that stands out to you as your hardest amateur fight you ever had? Yeah, there is, to be fair. There's one that I'd probably, I'm going to be honest and say, I would never, ever would have beaten him in my prime. Would have been a man called Andre Belanov. Okay. And I boxed him. Again, when I obviously, I was winning everything um, for GB. And then uh, Terry Edwards come to me and he said to me, right, he said, I forgot what tournament. It could have been the Finland. Could have been a tournament in Finland. He said, if you win gold here, he said, I'll give you, a, I'll let you go to a qualifier. Dangling the carrot, like. Perform. Yeah, and because I stopped the Belarusian, he must have thought, right, I've got to give him. Because there was another qualifier after like, this tournament, but it could have been Neil Perkins, it could have been me. So I knew at this qualifier, I knew, right, I had to yeah. really, You're on. This, is, this, is my, this is the golden ticket that I want. And we're all sitting in the, because um, when all the trainers go and do the draw, they're all going to do the draw, and we're all waiting in a hotel room like this, all of us, all the boxers. I wonder who you're going to get. I wonder what oh, I could do about getting in. But Kel Yaffa, they were unbelievable Turks. Turkish fighter and Khalid Yaffa's yeah. weight. And he wanted to avoid him. And there was a Russian called Andrei Balanov. And he were supreme of boxers. I can and, imagine what he looked like. And I remember just watching this fella on YouTube. Because I didn't care who I boxed. But I remember watching him. Someone got him up. I didn't even have Facebook at the time. <laughs> yeah, They got him up and I was watching him. And I was watching this fella and I was thinking... Fuck me, I don't want to fight him, yeah. Well, no, I'm not going to beat this man. So, and even David Price was saying, look, you're in a big position now. You're here with the big boys. Like, you need to avoid, hopefully you don't get this man and you'll be all right. And that was in the room and I'll never forget it. And they go through the weights and they went through the weight to Kel Yaffa and they went to him, you're fighting, I forgot his name now, I'm from Turkey. And I started laughing. I went, no Olympics for you, I said to him, yeah. I said, no Olympics for you, mate. And he just looked at me and just fucking, he just shook his head. And then it come to me and he went, and Billy Joe, you've got Andre Balanov. And he started laughing. He went, no Olympics for you too, he said to me. Yeah, and I was thinking, shit. So I went back to my room and I was just eating a load of chocolate and a load of fucking drinking, a load of fucking fizzy drink. I'm thinking, do you know what? I haven't got to make weight tomorrow anyway, I was thinking. Yeah, and I went in and David Price said to me before I went into the ring, he, he come to my room and went, look, he went, it's not over until it's over. He went, this is your big chance, he went. 
And I remember the first bell going, and I kid you not, it was something like I've never, ever experienced in my whole life what a boxer this man was. Really? He sent me back to the corner, and I looked up, and it was 7-0 to him. And I thought, shit. Technically or power, do you mean? Technically. Te- just technically. Un- yeah. But he was old. Yeah, well, he should be. He probably should have been turned over and. Been yeah, he was. He was. He was thirty yeah. or something like. He was. He was like that old. Like he. Was, that was probably. Yeah, and I was young, <laughs> and I remember then, coming back out for the second round. It was like thirteen one or two to him, and I remember just setting up and looking. I'll never forget this moment. I remember looking at the GB team up there, and I remember David Price on the phone. He was on the phone like that, and videoing it, and I. He told me after it was Neil Perkins. Neil Perkins was obviously open for me to lose so he could get oh, that. You don't yeah. really blame him because he wanted a Olympic spot. Yeah. Millions I, on the line at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, and I remember time. looking like that and I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to throw the kitchen sink at him. And I just went out there for what for like the third round. I had two more rounds left and I threw my head, shoulders, fucking everything I could throw at him, I was throwing. Oh, wow. And he, he, I sat down. I come back from the third round. When I sat down... It was 17, it was like 17, 12 going into the last round. I thought, I got him. He was fucked. What, you were up? No, he were oh, up you, by four, four. Yeah, but okay, I had yeah. one more round to go. I thought, right, now I'm oh, on him. four rounds, isn't it? Yeah, and then yeah. I come out again and I end up beating him. Oh, wow. And when I beat him, like, I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, man, like, even the boys, thought, fuck me, I can't believe you beat him. And, but being in the ring with him, technically, if he were like in his prime amateur time, I don't think there were no welterweights who ever beat him. His name's, have a look at him, Andre Bellov. He went to the Olympics then because he qualified after. Yeah. And Andrade beat him. But he was never the same man like when we boxed him. Yeah, yeah. And you got to be real in boxing. That is a he were He were unbelievable. Mate, that's amazing. <laughs> and in the same qualifiers, so I beat the favourite and then I was walking around like Mr. Big. And then I boxed a, a Polish boxer and he were absolutely shockingly shit. And I beat him on a free-free countback. <laughs> yeah, he nearly beat me. I thought, fucking hell. Because like. you, cause, cause yeah, you switched I, off. Yeah, you I switched you... off. And I still had to go for another like two or three fights. And I qualified. And when I qualified, it was like, in my, like how I won the pro. Like, when I won my world title, how it made me feel. When I qualified, that's how the oh, amateur amazing. time made me feel. Like, I thought, fuck me, like, I've done that. But it was, it, was all, it was good days. Looking back at it, I used to hate it when I was there. And all of the boys were the same. But when we all meet up and have a chat, Oh man, I wish we was back there doing that. Like it was. It's just amazing how successful everyone turned out. I mean, ev- everyone went. Turn- it's like, it's just amazing how successful everyone's. Been we we went all around the world. It's incredible. Every other week. Yeah. You know, at the airports, and then we'd be, you know, the, you know, the trainers. I'll be. I used to nick the passports out the pocket at the airport, thinking, I hope we don't go and nick the passports. And oh, we had. It was a right, right laugh. It no, was a serious laugh. No, it's brilliant. I, I remember being at. Oh, we're in um, Finland and uh, Danny Price and Tom Stalker. But I used to like really, you you had to make sure your door was locked. No one couldn't get in your room because there'd be all sorts going on. You don't need that the night before nah. about, do you? And I remember land, me and my mate, Michael Maguire, land in Finland. It was freezing cold. And I'm thinking, fuck me, this hotel stinks a piss. And uh, I kid you not, I swear to God, I'm laying in the bed. I'm thinking, this stinks a piss bad. So I kept smelling it. I was, I was saying to him, what, can you smell piss? And he's going, yeah, he's saying. So I'm in the other, I'm gone to the other boy's room and I go, my room stinks. What's your room like? I'm saying to him, they pissed in my bed. <laughs> yeah, they pissed in my bed. And I was but like, they're all kids though, aren't they? It's like, Mate, yeah, it's like, you, you guys are going out there 
uh, winning winning amateur titles, but it's the same as like your mates going to Bournemouth for the weekend. Yeah, but that's like, what it was like. Mates, didn't you? So. That's what it was like. It was like was all, and do you know what? Boxers. There were nothing safe. <laughs> like there were people walking through airports were fucking shit in their fucking uh oh mate it was it, listen oh, I, so listen funny, i played my role as well <laughs> yeah of course yeah? you did yeah course, yeah but, you know yeah. what i mean i played my role as well but it was it wasn't safe to leave a toothbrush oh, to brilliant. leave nothing around what how how amazing that you got to experience that and you lot all deserve it and good for you lot but how, how amazing that you got to go through that regardless of the professional career how how amazing that you got to go through that is as um whippersnappers effectively you know kids, as kids you know? Yeah, yeah as kids to go through and look and this is the message to a lot of young kids. Like, sometimes you think something so far away, you think, oh, like, that's so far away for me to reach. Like, you sort of, like, lose focus on it. But realistically, when you put your mind to it and work and you're willing to learn and put your neck on the line and give everything, you can do it. People can actually, they can do it. Some people might get not lucky the first time, but everyone gets their chance. Yeah, I love it. And it might come through. Cool. So let's get to the pros. Um, I was going to, rather than start the other way around, I, was, I want to start with Canelo, if that's all right, mate. Yeah, cool. Um, so talk to me about the Canelo fight at the Aztec Stadium in Mexico. How do you feel about that whole event and fight now, two and a half years on? Do you know what? Looking back at it, there was like, there was no nerves. Like, it was so, listen, it's the, when you fight on that sort of stage, I think it, I think everything, nothing phases you. Yeah. Obviously, you're in there and you're nervous because you want to win and you want to put a good performance in. But that was like, I enjoyed it. I was enjoying every single moment, the build-up. You know, even, even when I was saying, oh, yeah, I'm not going to fight because of the ring, it's all up. It was never going to be off. Mm. Yeah, but I just wanted to, rat I was trying my best to rattle everyone around. And I thought, if I've got to rattle all of them there, Eddie, all of them, I'm going to do it. You know, and uh, just the full build-up, and you learn so much from it. But I'll be honest, like, when I was in there with him, and I said this before, like, I was expecting so much more from someone. Like, I remember being in there in one of the rounds. I think it could have been, like, round five. And we was inside, and I remember grabbing him, and just walking him back. Because a, a, a lot of people don't really... I'm not, the, I'm not a one-punch knockout man, but when it comes to tangling someone up... Strong. And pushing and pulling, I'm very, very good at that. Mm. That's one, I'm probably one of my, mm. my best weapons. And I remember tying him up and pushing him back. And I remember thinking, do you know what? I'm gonna put my hand up here and just like bit of kidology. Go on, go on. Like, cause he wasn't that. It was like I was waiting for someone to it. Like when you like David Lemieux, when I boxed him, I I tested some power on my arm and I thought, fuck me. He whacked more, mate. He what? He's whacked hard as like mm. I've never felt anyone as hard as what he punches lucky you didn't let me yeah much. no of course and that's the reason why i think yeah. i should have felt that from canelo first of all do you know what i mean i might not let me me as much but it was uh i enjoyed it and it gave me so much confidence after looking back now like even coming back because i know in my own head there's no one else at that weight can beat me mm. i know that because yeah. how i felt in the ring i know how he were I know at one stage I thought, do you know what? I've, he's gassing here a little bit. Mm. And he was gassing a little bit, but he's very, very good at just making you miss by inches. And he'll let you get away with something for one, round two, round three, round four, round five rounds. And later on, the second half of the fight, that's when he tries to make 
Is he doing that? Do you think he's watching you? He, he's watching it. Uh, listen, he's a very, very clever fighter. Is he really? He's yeah. very, very clever. And listen, you don't do what he's done from not being clever. It, it'd be silly of me to sit here and go, oh, no, I've been in the ring. But look, he's very, extremely clever. Very clever. And, um, but I was just, listen, before you're boxing someone like Canelo or, you know, Golovkin, people's box, you're expecting you in this ring with this robot. To be because something goes through your head like this man's unbelievable. Look mm. what he's done. Look what. He, but it was. But that's sort of like probably credit to myself really because I thought 100%. right well he couldn't really do that or I didn't let him get away with that much and obviously like in round eight when he caught me he knew what obviously caused a lot of damage because he put his hands up like that and I I knew like he was I couldn't really even see him mm. and I remember like just hearing for like a minute and I think it was five seconds or so I could just hear wind. <laughs> Going yeah. past when I were ducking and weaving and getting out the way, but that fight there had done so much for me. Looking back, coming back into the game, because I look at it and think there's not really there's no one at this weight gonna beat me. Yeah. You look bigger than him as well. I looked at, I I watched it back yesterday, and I was so surprised how much bigger you look than him in the ring. I think he look uh, he's very like because he's not very big, but he's stocky. Yeah, he's very like he's very stocky, but he's very explosive and he is very very clever. What, what, yeah, what, what I loved about it, Billy, is I thought you were the... And no disrespect to any of the other British guys that have gone out there. I think every, you know, they're all brilliant. Liam Smith, Callum Smith, everyone, has got, everyone else has gone out there. But I feel like you were the first person that went out there to win. Yeah, of course. And I think that was the difference, that you, you put it on him. Yeah. And he, he caught you, obviously broke the, um, the, the eye socket. But I was just so... Pr as a fan and as someone that's watched you, I was just so proud that you went out there and put it on the line and went for it in Do those first six it, rounds. It's sort of one of them. When you're there, you just might as well give it what you got. Yeah, and you did that. And, you know, the, on the only thing really that I would like... Listen, to be looking on the bigger stage, I always even said privately, look, this goes to points. I know that you never... I'm, I think when you look at the scorecards yeah. after the fight, I think they only give me like one round or something like that. So you was never going to get it no. on points anyway. No, but you went for it, you know. Yeah, you listen, it. It, it was something like I say, and when I come back to the sport, I'll always revert back to that moment. And that's what pushed me on further to do what I need to do moving forward. Yeah, and with what you do in the rest of your career, maybe Ben Davison saved you for another day. And that, and Do you that know what? I remember just sitting there and listen, there was a bit of a commotion after because, you know, you got fans on the line and people say, oh, yeah, he could have... Yeah, I, w I wanted to come out. And... Ben got him here and he went, no, he said, listen, he said, Billy Joe, it's done. He went, you're going to get a rematch. He was saying, it's done. Your eye's gone. Mm. And at that moment, I said, look, I'm going to go orthodox. I said, I go. He said, you're not going out. He said, done. It's over. Do you know what? Looking at, it, at at that moment there, like for the first, like even when I was in hospital, I was thinking to myself, I could have went out orthodox. I could have, like even landed in the bed. Yeah, but looking back at it now, like it was very a mature thing for him to do at that stage because... You know, look, let's face it, you can have a, tr a billion quid, mm. but if yeah. you couldn't see, you know, it's sometimes we look at stuff in life, we're very selfish because, you know, sometimes what we want to do, if we can't do what we want to do, sometimes we probably get the ump or we probably get a little bit sulky. But there's people out there what generally has got to walk with a stick, what can't see left or right, that, you know, probably would give one of their body parts leg, arm, or every every last being they own to look at someone and see their kids. And So, look, in a way, it was probably the right decision, but the event itself was unbelievable. Yeah.
you know, to be out there. The event itself was unbelievable. Like there was, there must have been like eighty thousand there because it was, oh, it was packed. Crazy. And the energy, like coming, you couldn't. It was like an energy. It was like you couldn't. Well, you couldn't really hear anything apart from. So many people, it feels like no one's there. Maybe. Yeah. Do you know what? I can't really explain it to you until you was in that position. Oh, I would. I, I. I haven't got the bottle for it, mate. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like it was weird. It was like you. You couldn't really. It was that loud. You couldn't hear anything. It was like some sort of matrix taking over. When you. I mean, you might not be able to give this away because this is one of your massive edges, but we'll see what you say. But is there a process that you go through how you get yourself into that position to handle nerves like you do? Because you've seen, you know, you're, you've gone out there, you don't look, you look like you're having a spa, for example, when you're walking out. Look less nervous than some people would look having a spa. Is there something that you go through in camp or before the fight that helps you get to that place? No, I think when... I'll tell you what it is. How do you do that? It's like throw, driving you out in the middle of the sea and dropping you out. The sharks, there's everything. Now you can either panic and drown. The old saying, sink or swim. So you either just swim and get on with it because you're going to do it anyway. Just get on with it. And obviously everyone's nervous in their own ways. Yeah. But you just got to, in, in this game, in boxing, in a way, you've got to have nerves. But my nerves really only lead up until I get through the ropes. When, when, when I get through the ropes and I, I can see, right, this is it, it's sink or swim, the nerves just go, you know? But you still got to box on instinct and, you know, fear in a way. You've yeah. got to have that sort of fear side in you to make sure to perform. Talking about the break you've had, how important for you and... How important for you has the last two and a half years off from competition been? How much was that needed for you? Do you know what? I get asked this all the time. And even when you're on a break, people go, oh, when you're boxing? When you're boxing? Like, I must get asked, no joke, 2,000 times a month. <laughs> Probably more. When are you boxing? When are you boxing? When are you boxing? But from my amateur days, I've been boxing ever since I've been five. Mm. and. To get, if I was to say, like, I've had, since I've been five, gone, regard, like, taking out injuries, a, you know, two year out since I've been five, three year out of boxing, that is it since I've been five. Yeah, crazy. And it's always been competition, 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 competition. And to give the brain a rest from that sort of, that sort of thing. And obviously, look, I got obviously I, I made sure to have extra time off to make sure I'm healed up and everything's right because your health's more important. You know, if some slow, you're going to go back in and you're going to get severe injured or something. It's not worth it, is it? No, Let's be honest. No. But I needed to recharge and to realise, to be fair, that you do, I do actually need boxing. To miss it? I do actually need it, yeah. Because, like, life without boxing, in a way, it's like, look, when someone owns a few quid, they can do a property deal, they can do a car deal, they can do whatever they got, whatever they want to do, work wherever they want to work. But when you're used to, like, the buzz of the build-up and the fight and the, the adrenaline, what you've got to produce, it's just like you miss it. You think, mm. like, you think you just, you need that back. Mm. And even if it's back for, like, one, two, ten, you just want it back. Mm. So it's, it's, 
it's all like an odd like I used to look at Ricky Atten and I used to look at Joe Kozaki and more so Ricky Atten and think why is he coming back like he's made all his box Pacquiao's box why is he coming back and then now I can only just realise why he wanted to come back mm. and because it's it's uh, it's a strange strange feeling. James said to me the other day <coughs> when I was chatting to him uh, off off air, whatever you off camera, whatever you call it. Um, he was saying how wise you were for having the break, and he said that's another example of how Billy is always one step ahead. He said because I wish he I, I, I said what would you have done differently in your career? He said I would have had a break after the Badu Jack fight. Said, but I felt under so much pressure to go, 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 go that I didn't have to break, and it shortened his. Uh, sorry, it it affected his performances later on, and he was saying about how smart he thinks it is that you've had that break. So I think that's so. See, look, with, with James as well, with with James DeGale, when it come to training, I couldn't keep with him. Yeah. When it come to training, he was another level. Really. Intensity, mate. He could that he was another level. Like, he, he tell me about it. I remember we first turned pro because he was going to go with Jimmy Tibbs, yeah. And he ended up going with Jimmy Mack, and I went with Jimmy Tibbs, yeah. And I remember seeing him at one of the shows, and he went, Listen, he went, Come and do it. He said, No, oh, I'm going to do a recovery session, a two hour <laughs> look. He's recovery session, like two hour running and stuff, <laughs> yeah. But Jimmy Mack was mad fitness fanatic as well. But yeah. Chunky, mate, he would train. And me and him, our spars we had, I sparred him for his world title fights. The spars we had, like people to pay to watch. Seriously, some seriously good spars. And, uh, mate, he was talented. Yeah. He was serious boxer. <laughs> but, like, he used to train so hard, I think that played a part in it as well. You know, and plus, obviously, the, he didn't take the rest when he needed it. But Eubank wouldn't have been good enough to lace his boot. Then mine beat him. And funny enough, I suppose he didn't talk about it when he was here. I had a conversation with him before he boxed you, bank, because there was talks of me and him boxing. So I rang him and I had a conversation with him, yeah? And I knew weeks before that he had a very bad injury. I'm not going to sit and say on camera like yeah, because yeah. It's, it's his business, but yeah. I know he had a very, very, very bad injury. Yeah. And I spoke to him on the pull-out, but... You know, a lot of in boxing, a lot of people can get in your head if you let them. Yeah. You know, yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah, you, yeah, I might be all right to you, mate. Because, but I look at advice I'd give my kid. Nah, you're not. And one thing I can always say with Frank Warren, he always said to me when I first turned pro, even being a kid, he went, "Look, if you're not right," and Jimmy used to say this to me as well, "If you're not right." You don't box. I've heard other people say that about Frank as well. Yeah, if you're not right, you don't box. And regardless of the shows and regardless of anything yeah. else, I've, like he's always been all right like that. When you first turned pro with Jimmy Tibbs, yep. um, what was it about Jimmy Tibbs that you liked as a coach? What was the reason why you went pro with him? Because I know you, I know you, you hold him dear yeah. to you, Jimmy Tibbs. So what is it about him that you like so much? Do you know what? With, with Jimmy... I probably spent more time with Jimmy than I did my family. And when I first went to the gym, he reminded me so much old school looking, like looking at him, like the things he used to say, and like he never seemed to amaze me. Like I walked to the gym once, and because um, when I first turned pro, I went pro with my amateur coach, 
Oh, really? Yeah, but obviously leading up to my fight, and his name was Danny Always, unbelievable at amateur boxing. He, yeah. he got me to where I needed to be, Danny Oye. He was, he was, he was so advanced as the amateur game from everybody. Yeah. Even to, I go as far as to say the England coaches used to, he used to analyse and break fighters down back in the day, what people's just starting to do now. Yeah. In the amateur game for me. You know, we go around his place every Sunday, we sit there and oh, my run is said, right, this is all you could be fighting. That's unbelievable you had that. This Amazing. is what he'd do. And he used to sit there and make me watch it. And half the time, I think, oh, yeah, this is a load of shit. Yeah, I'll yeah? just ping him. Yeah, like, I don't, <laughs> but then he'd get me in the gym and work on the move, work oh, on the incredible. move, work on the move, work on the move. Yeah, he used to do that. And people was only just doing it now. So that's how advanced he was. It was like he was so much invested in the amateurs, he sort of put himself under that much pressure. And it's silly to sound like he had his job. He was At the time, he was going through a few things he had to pay yeah. for. And, and you wouldn't have been making big money at the time. No, either, and it, so, it, was, yeah. it was very hard, obviously, for him. And, and he said to me, look, Billy Joe, I'm not... And he, fair play to him, he come to me and went, I'm not the man for the job. What a good man. He said that to me. And now, look, he could have sat there and took a few quid or said, look, I need... He said, look, I'm not the man for the job. And I had to respect him for that. And I went, yeah. who do you reckon? And he went, Jimmy Tibbs. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, he he just watched him. He trained this one, that one, this one. And I spoke to Dean Pell. And before I even mentioned to Dean Pell, he, who died, lovely fellow Dean was, uh, I didn't tell Dean that Jimmy, uh, Danny mentioned Jimmy. And I went, oh, Dean, I'll, you know, I'm looking for a trainer. He went, I've got just a man for you. See if he'll do it, though. He went, because he's a funny old fucker, he said. <laughs> I said, oh, he went, Jimmy Tibbs. And I said, yeah. Go on, and I said, like, I didn't tell him Danny mentioned him. And then I went there, and it was snowing. And the first session I'd done with him, I went in there, and I'd done four rounds. Shadow, bit of groundwork. He went, that's you today, done. And I thought, I thought, I want to do a bit more. But he went, go home no more. And at the end of that week, how we trained me the end of that week, I could have knocked down a brick wall. Wow. Because Jimmy were very good at just getting you to the fight. A lot of people... I know a lot of people didn't used to like his training. They didn't feel like it was enough. Oh, he used to train him, yeah. But one thing he's right, he would never overdo it because clever. he would rather come in under par, he used to say, wouldn't you, I'd rather to come in, and he'd always get me on par, but he'd always say this, I'd rather you come in just under par than over par because we can't get it back when it goes same, over. Yeah. They have the same philosophy with horse racing as well, don't they? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I, I, I walked into the gym once. I remember walking in the TKO. And I walked in the gym, and he looked at me like that, and I was fuck. I played football the night before, like I was absolutely <laughs> wrecked. He looked at me, went, "Go home today." He went, "Rest up, come oh, back in tomorrow." Class. class. Yeah, like he, he, him there. He, he was the bestest coach and learnt me so much. If he wasn't in my career, I wouldn't have done what I done, because he was very knowledgeable, very clever, and his his brain is second to none in boxing. Mm. Absolutely second to none because. You know, the only thing I'd say with these, like, different coaches coming through and, you know, who else I've worked with, like, they're very advanced with the food side and the nutrition side and that. Where back then, when in his day, he didn't have to, he had to, you know, meat and greens used to say to me like he used to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he was very, very, very good coach. One more on coaching. Why is Ben Davison now in so much demand? What is it about Ben that he seems to be doing? You mentioned about analysing. I thought maybe Ben does that, but 
What is it that he does that makes him such an in-demand coach at the moment now? Ben does that as well. He does that for a lot of big fighters in the mm. USA. He does it for a lot of big fighters over here. Devin Haney's adding him. Devin Haney. Yeah. But with, with Ben, a lot of people don't realise I was working. I've been working with Ben since 2012, 13. Okay. Doing pads. I remember Ben used to be my mate. He used to go to the amateur gym. Mm. And he was always into his football. But Ben spent a lot of time around Jimmy Tibbs in camp. Oh, right. I didn't. Okay. A lot of time. Oh, I didn't know You know, exactly. water, holding the pads, going for other things, looking, oh, listening. Right. And like that took Ben. I'm not saying Ben's got his own style and he does his yeah. own thing now. But through resting and everything else, that... You know, that goes a long, long way. Imagine, like, I don't know, training with Usain Bolt and you're getting ready to race 100 metres every yeah. day. And you, you, you're just around him. And he put his time in and he's very, very dedicated because boxing comes before family with Ben. Boxing becomes for his kid. Boxing comes for everything. Because he's young, I suppose he can make that you sacrifice know, at the moment. You so. know, it's, it's, it's one of them. He's got his career. That's yeah, his of course. career as well, yeah. like, you know. And he's very dedicated to it. And I think, obviously, the results are showing. Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, you hear everyone talking about him. I even heard, I don't know if it's just gossip, but I heard um, AJ might be doing so. Oh, he's been training with Ben or, yeah. you know, with Ben and that. So I thought that was, um, thought that was interesting. So uh, if you could map out the next two and a half years for yourself, I said next, yeah, two, two and a half years, something like that. Um, how would 2024, 2025, how does that look like for you in a perfect world? Do you know what? As long as you learn something in life and as long as I've got my health and my strength and my family's got the health and their strength and I can just go in there and enjoy it. Go in there and enjoy it. And I can honestly say I'm not coming back for this fighter, that fighter, calling this fighter, that fighter. I'm just going to go in there to enjoy myself because if I was coming back for, you know, I'm coming back for you or I'm coming back for you or whoever it was, it's no other reason than coming back just to make myself get in shape, feel happy, content. Because you can. And, yeah, and plus, I just want the biggest night to get that sort of adrenaline and that buzz to be around. Yeah. Because sort of when you come back from the Canelo fight, like, for the first year, I was thinking, where like, am I? Because I, I, boxing, I always still, you know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of boxing. Hmm. But you when like the big fight, more yeah, when the yeah. boxing's when the boxing's on, I like watching it, and mm. you know the big fights. And for the first year, I just had the rest, and then I started thinking, like, if I do come back, where like, where will I get that sort of buzz? Mm. Where's that gonna come? Mm. That's my next question. Funny enough, you know where, where is that buzz gonna come? And I'm sure there's fights out there can be made at a big, big magnitude of you know, but. It's just getting back in, getting right, getting a run out, yeah, getting myself right, getting myself because I'm not just going to come back and go right, all right, no problem. You're going to give me a few quid. I jump in there, no problem. No, we're coming back to win. I'm coming back to you know to look good, put myself to you know for myself. Yeah, not for anything else. Yeah. I've got young sons growing up; they're into the boxing. Yeah. Nice just to give them the bit of time that right. You come ring walk, and it's just memories now. It's great, yeah. good memories, having fun and seeing where I go. Yeah, can I tell you what I would like for you? Go on. So my, uh, this, this would be my, as a Billy Joe Saunders yep. super fan, this I'll would be my fantasy. I might take this on board. Now. So, oh, so, oh, there we go. so I want to see, no I want to see a, a run out in February. Yeah. I think it's been moved. Yeah, moved. Yeah. I want to see a run out in February. Then I want to see Eubank Jr. 
Yep. Right. Then I want to see you stop Golovkin. Do you know what? That's what I want to see. Do you know what I would say, though? Do you know what I would honestly say? He's waiting like, for you, Golovkin. Do you know what? You're probably right. Yeah, but I can look at Golovkin and I see like Eubank call him out and all these others call him out now. But I've got to respect so much for him yeah. because of his age, what he's done, how he's done. He beat Canelo the first time. Yeah. And Cal Brook's a very good friend of mine. And we'll have conversations. And he'll be telling me, look, Billy Joe, fuck me. Like, and Cal done fucking well with him. That was one of the bravest yeah. things I've ever seen from a British fighter, Cal Boxing Golovkin. Do you know what? Oh, Listen, mate. trust me. And do you know what? What a lot of people don't realise is Cal can fight. Cal can fight. But Golovkin have got a lot of respect. And if it could be made, I'd do it, obviously, because it's Golovkin, but he ain't half the man. And well, he's, well, yeah, I mean, he might not be what he was, but he still will be 99% oh, yeah, 100%, <laughs> yeah, 100%, yeah. But, like, looking at him as the prime when I first won the world title and yeah. seeing him, like, knocking out the 30 or 20-odd opponents in round one and that yeah, and watching yeah. him, like, I remember Matthew Macklin having a conversation with him. I remember when the fight was made. Yeah. And, like, he's, he's, a, he's a good man and he's a respectable man. I've yeah, never once... Heard him talk out of term. He's always been very professional. Yeah, I want to see that fight. Then I want to see the Chris Eubank fight in England, obviously. And then yeah. I want to see Golovkin come over to the UK in a stadium. Yeah. And I want... Oh, I think That'd, that'd be, be good. That'd be a good that, ending. That'd that would make good... me happy as a, yeah. a 15-year Billy Joe Simmons yeah, fan. Yeah, thank you, know? you very much. I might so, tell Eddie to book that in. You mentioned about uh, the retirement and about how... You love the buzz for boxing and obviously it's all you've known. Have you or are you going to start putting things in place now so that you've got that natural transition in 2024, 2025 into something that you can enjoy that can give you a buzz as well, if that makes sense? Have you got plans for that? Do you know what? <clears throat> we, um, we've started a management company. I've, I've always like been involved with a couple of fighters. Um, you know, Louis Edmondson uh, is is he's the one I first I met him and I thought, do you know what? I see where it goes, but I really got a real, real, real strong feeling for him because he trains hard. We got another two. We got Mikel. We got um, Kano White as well, another young fighter. Yep. Uh, but Louis, I've just signed these other two fighters as well. By the way, like the ones we just yep. just moved forward, with. but Louis. He's ready. Well, like I've sparred him. I've been in there and I've I've tested him. Put it on him. I've no. I, I tell you what. I tried to put it on him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I tried for about thirty six minutes. I thought, do you know what? He hasn't got the experience. We'll do a thirty six minute straight off. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he's got a lot about him, and there's a lot of these promoters. First of all, it was chatting to Frank Warren about him the other day, as it goes, and there's a lot of these fighters now that at this weight, light heavyweight, that really should avoid him, in a way. Yeah. And the Ben Whitaker fight is the fight I want. And just to bring someone through to be world champion, yeah. will be a different buzz altogether. Because to say, right, yeah, I've been a two-weight world champion, and I brought someone through as world champion, I'm not interested in their money. I'm not interested in anything else. I just want to bring them through to be world champion. Say, right, I've won two-weight world champion. Yeah. And I've brought 
fight her through to be world champion. Yeah, lovely. That ain't a bad CV. Give something back. Yeah, yeah. that ain't a bad CV. Matter of fact, Good I'd CV. pay to book, like, I'd pay to get a world champion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Like, I'd be so happy to do it. Like, I'd pull my weight just to get one of them to to be a world champion and say, do you know what? I've been Because I know how it feels. I've been part of that. Mm. You know, and doing something like that for someone to make, because that is making someone's dream come true. Yeah. And um, yeah, so like, I'm just got my, me and Tom's got our hands in the water now and we're just starting our management. So hopefully we're going to, we're going to get a few good fighters and uh, we've already got a few. We've got Mikhail, we've got Kano White, we've got Louis Edmondson. Um, Building a stable. Just look, I, I don't want loads. I just want some who I look at who I think, do you know what? I think, because I'm going off my pickings. Because if I didn't think they could do it, I'd say, I don't really want to waste your time. Look, put you onto him. You have a word of him. You learn a few quid. See you later. But <laughs> I know these lads, what I've seen of, you know, watched them and they've got what it takes. But it's a long road. Yeah. How, brilliant. How, how do you um, feel about, obviously, I know it's not, I don't think it's confirmed the card, but if it happens in February, how, if you do box... <laughs> in February on the on the Eubank Junior Ben Bill. How do you feel about being on the undercard with that? Do you know what? <clears throat> people I I listen to people talk about this like about themselves. Oh I don't want to be on this undercard. I don't no right. You're getting paid a few quid. Yeah? You're getting paid a few quid. People still gonna it's gonna be a big event. Like I don't really take notice of any of that. Ego aside. Yeah, I, I'm not business. one of them that think, oh yeah, my name first, your name first. Yeah. This None of that really bothers me. Yeah, this, this goes to how, um, I'm just speculating here, but this goes how clever Eddie is that he's got, he's a win-win because if, uh, obviously make the fight regardless, but if he's got you on the undercard and Eubank beats Ben, he's got an absolute mega fight. Of course. And then obviously if Ben goes on, he's still, he's still got a Course. massive fight, but of course. he's, 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 uh, he's playing chess whilst other are playing checkers, isn't he? Yeah, but look, Eddie, when it comes to business and one thing that you've got to give Eddie is that he's never, ever, ever, he's never, ever, ever, like, failed to deliver. Never failed to deliver. And, you know, the amount of names he's worked with and what he's done for people and how he's brought the Matchroom brand, like, he's done that. Obviously, he's got his team around him, Frank Smith and everybody who works there. Yeah. They're all very professionally set up and they're run very, very professional. Mm. Like, he's... He's... You know, he's... He's done very good, isn't he? Let's face it. He's, because look, his dad, obviously, same as I would with my son, you would your son. You say, yeah. look, is a, I'm not saying he give him the platform, but here's the platform. Let's see what you can do with it. He worked with all them fighters because I spoke to Roch, Brooke, all these fighters, Bellew. Yeah. He's done all them himself. Mm-hmm. And from that to where he's took it, it's, it's not been done, has it? He says, I was given a silver spoon, but I turned it gold. No, mate, trust me, he turned it diamonds. He's a grafter, isn't he? Listen, he, and look, you look at him. You look on his, like, when me and Tom's going to try to get a conversation in with him. I said, Tom, you spoke to Eddie. Ah, oh, a minute, mate, he's in Mexico. All right. Uh, but Tom knows where he's at. He must have got a tracker on him. <laughs> oh, no, no, he's in it. He's going from Mexico to LA, and then he's going to yeah. wherever he's going. Like, he's a grafter. I don't know if I'd want that life. As glamorous as it is. Do you know what? I will say one thing, much. like, I don't really know him, like, his, like, personal lives and that, but. It's got to take its toll a lot on of work. you, you know, like because he's never home. Like he's he's here, there. He's got little kids as well. Like yeah. it's it's an hard job what he does. Sleeping on the plane, interview next. Mate, listen, it's... and and do you know what it does me like I look at this all the time. Sometimes, like when you sit and watch it, you do interview with him, 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 yeah. him. 
but he sort of got to answer all the same questions in a different sort of way and give them all different content. Yeah, that's one thing I don't like sometimes. Really. I mean, it is what it is and I get it, but I feel, I know it's hard to feel sorry for Eddie Hearn because he's obviously six foot four, absolutely freighted and he's a successful boxing promoter. But by that, like sometimes it does get a bit much and I feel like he's always at war with people constantly. So this, um, yeah, but the, the thing is when you're at the top of the tree, you're there to be shot down in you. Yes. And you know, that's part of the, that's part of what he's got to take on the chin. Yeah. And, I'm sure sticks and stones may break his bones, but I don't think the words will hurt him. I've heard you speak about Tyson when he flew out to come see you in Spain. Can you share with us the time both of you ran up the huge mountain in Marbella together when he was 30? I've seen it. Do you know what, though? Like, we all took off. There was me, a fighter called Tom Little, and Tyson. Um, they'd never really seen it. He went, I want to do the mountain. He was saying, I was thinking, you're not going to do the mountain, mate. I was thinking, you're not going to do the mountain, like, fucking, just forget about it. Yeah, and then he kept mentioning it, and anyway, the weekend come, I thought, fuck it. I said, yeah, right, you want to do the mountain? We're going to do it, no problem. And there was a lot, uh, we had a van following us, and we got it, but, mate, he absolutely, it took him, like, it took him a long time, <laughs> yeah, but he'd done it, how big he was, he absolutely, like, one thing with Tyson, if he says he's going to go and stand in front of a bus, he's going to go and stand in front of the bus, <laughs> you know? He will yeah. do it. <clears throat> he, plays, he plays a lot of mind games with these fighters and, you know, he's, he plays a lot of mind games with these fighters. I'm going to fight him on this date. I'm going to fight mm. him on that date. But in his own head, he knows what's going on. Mm. He knows what's going on. He may even tell the team around him, I'm ready for this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But he says it for a little reaction. Deep down, he knows. Yeah, he's a master spinning He's very, very good. He's very good at his job. Yeah, yeah. What's your opinion on... Now the dust is settled. What's your opinion on the Tyson Fury and Ngannou fight? Where do you think, think Tyson's at? I think myself personally, I think that, you know, and I've done this myself. I'm not saying he didn't train. I'm just saying he, let's say he took him lightly. And when someone takes someone lightly, and then you've got the other bloke who's come from a mud hut somewhere as a youngster, yeah. eating off the floor, come from absolutely nothing who's already a champion in his profession in MMA. And he's hearing people talk about him like he's a worthless piece of yeah. mud on your shoe. And in the UFC, you would never hear no one talk about him like that. Yeah, we made, as boxing fans, we made a mistake. Yeah, that, I think, a little so bit. you'd never hear him. Don't forget, what, what, what did he weigh in? What, 200 and over, what, 200 30 pound, 200, yeah. whatever he weighed, punch like a man mountain. And, like, I just think Tyson just overlooked him because, look, one thing I will say, and people can slate me and go, Ngannou could not beat Tyson. That was Tyson's worst night. Yeah, he was off. It wasn't that it was off, it was just his worst night. And that was his worstest day in the office everyone's going to see. That was the worst. That was the worstest day in the office that everybody's gonna see. You hear people, oh, is he washed up? Oh, is he this? It, oh, is he that? Oh, I've heard he ain't look good and sparring. I oh, look. He just needs to look. Cut the idiots away. Cut the little hangers on around what wants to be there for a meal ticket and be seen laying around and lurking around. Cut all that out. Get your team. Go and do your work and go and become undisputed. Then sell off. Yeah, get focused, 
18 more months. Then sell off because the thing is, and I've noticed this in boxing, when you're coming through and everything's there to be seen and to be round and to be on camera and to be, you know, part of it and a part of the T-shirt yeah, and yeah, walking yeah. up, there's loads. But when that's not there, and I've noticed since I've been out of boxing a while, you notice what's what. Mm. You sit back and you look. And this goes for a load of people. You think you know who's real and who's not real. You know who's there for you at war and who's not there for you at war. Mm. And lucky enough, Tyson come away with a W. And I thought he still won it by maybe two rounds. You know, I know Ngannou, listen, the boxing, the boxing status don't lie. And it is what it is. But you won't see that side of Tyson again if he puts his head down. And let's face it. He's got money from here to Manchester. Yeah. It's very hard for someone to take someone like Ngannou serious when he's got other people around him mm-hmm. in the era and people that probably don't even know nothing about yeah. boxing. Yeah, and even you if know? he was, even if he thought <clears throat> he was focused, it's just almost impossible to be as focused as you need to with that it, massive carrot being Yeah, uh, and but you'll never see that again. And sometimes with Tyson, a wake up call is a wake up call, you know. And I remember the first time he was boxing Wilder, he rang me. What do you reckon I can box Wilder? He went, oh. they put the Wilder fight to me, and I went, Tyson, look, if you're fit enough and you're strong enough to stand on your feet and box him and box around him. He won't beat you. If you want to stand there and slug it out, don't take the fight. He went, that's all I wanted to hear, no problem. And then he made the fight. Done. So I know when he boxes Usyk, it'd be a different ball game. How good is Usyk? I think he's very, very good technically. I think he's probably one of the best technical fighters at heavyweight, you know, that we're going to see. And let's face it, he's not on the biggest side of the heavyweights, is he? No. And that's where Although come, he has got a bit bigger. Like he's he, sized up the last two He's got two a bit years, bigger, but, yeah. but in a way, that might yeah. be a disadvantage for him as well. Yeah. That might well. be a disadvantage for him because I can see it from, from one to four will be the hardest rounds Tyson's ever had from one to four. Yeah. For a long while. Yeah. But after four, Tyson's just too big. Yeah. And one thing I wouldn't want Tyson to see here is let people start hyping him up you're a big heavyweight puncher. You're a big heavy... No, you're the best boxer on the planet. You're the best superior stand-back switch well. hitter yeah. boxer there is in the heavyweight division. Well, in the heavyweight division since we've seen for decades and decades. Mm. Let's not have someone saying you're too big, strong for him walking down because that's, we don't want to do that. Mm. This man knows a little bit too much for that. Stand back, box him, enjoy it, and 100% you stop him. Yeah, love it. 100% he'll stop him. I reckon it could go, I reckon he could stop him as early as eight, seven, eight, yeah. nine. But you can't just go in and think, I'm a bigger man, you're going to start wrestling you because Usyk, he's very good at the grappling and holding and, and tiring people out. We've seen him do it. Look, yeah. he, he was, he started tying, even though he had a lot of success, Derek Gazora, it was really his first sort of fight, heavyweight. And yeah. You know, but he was still knew how to tire him out by holding him, moving his feet, tying him up, twisting him, like grabbing him. He's very strong at that. They train a lot for that, them Ukrainians. It's hard to gauge sometimes just how clever and smart people are. But I always think, like, was Usyk so smart and his team so smart? Did they hold back a little bit to draw the AJ fight in? 
Listen, there's a problem. The thing is with Usyk is this as well. He also rises to the occasion. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, Usyk rises to the occasion. Tyson rises to the occasion. Mm. But he only rises to the occasion when that fear factor's there. And they'll both have that. And that's the reason why it's going to be a little bit edgy the first four rounds. You know, it's going to be because they're going to be a little bit right fit. It's going to take, it's going to take at least three rounds for them to figure out, right, this is that, that's that. Because boxing is not about going out round and going and smash your face in. Not at that level. Mm. Not at that level. You need to see what he's trying, what he's looking at. It's, it, a lot goes into it. Yeah. You know, a lot goes into it. So it taken three rounds. Of, or it's going to be three rounds before we even start to see fireworks. Yeah, nice. Well, let's hope it happens. Oh, it will happen. Hope it happens. Yeah, it will happen. Yeah. Um, this is just like some just uh, random boxing questions, just things I just wanted to ask. Um, what is some of your favorite? What is one or two, a couple of your favorite fights that stand out to you from over the years that you either watch live or? Or you Manny Pacquiao Margarita. Yeah? Yeah. That's going back a long way, isn't it? Yeah. It's that's going back a long, long way, but I absolutely love that fight. Like what that fight there. Antonio Margarita. Yeah. The second one. Right? Yeah, well yeah, he stopped him, didn't he? In, uh, oh, what a comeback. Yeah, I like that fight. Uh and you mean recent? Yeah, or do, do, you know, just fights that stand out to you really. So I mean that's obviously one. Yeah, recent. Let's I mean let's let's do Recent. I mean I'll I'll, I'll give you an example of mine, like AJ Klitschko. That was an amazing That night. were a good fight. I watched out with Tyson. That was an extremely good fight. Yeah. Cole Froch, George Groves. That were another good fight. Yeah. Do you know what? I probably have to say what stands out for me. I'm probably going to have to say that myself, Cole Froch, George Groves. It was great, wasn't it? It was a good fight. One and two. It was, yeah, both was a good fight. The first one for me. Yeah. It felt like the start of something great as well, didn't it? Do you know what I mean? It Do you felt know what? like a new era had been born. Yeah, like the first fight for me. And again, I think Froch sort of just took his afterball with him the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Good on Groves, though. I mean, he done well out of them two Yeah, fights. he did do. He, he did do well. Sorted him out. What advice would you give to any up-and-coming boxers watching this podcast today on how to make it in boxing you did? Like you did. Do you know what? People can... Same as we were talking about earlier on, before we was on air. These people give advice online and this and that, how to make money, how to do that. In life, you just got to have a goal. And let's not get it twisted. If someone's not good enough, you know you're not good enough. You're better off finding a job. Because as harsh as what this sounds, I've seen Jimmy Tib say this to someone, son, it's not for you. Go and find a job. Go and find another. This is too hard for you to do. But to make it in boxing, to make it in boxing, you know, in your own mind, you have to believe. If you, there's no belief there and there's, you know, you, you want to believe it for the... Do you know what? I am 34 and I've never had a family holiday where I've gone on here with my family and here and there. Like I've, never, I've been all over the world training and... You know, it may look like a man and Ollie, but yeah. I've always been there. There's a goal. Brought me to the country goal. because of work. Mm. You know? The dedication has got to be second to none. And when I say dedication, it can't be you watch a bit of boxing or you watch something and think, do you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do that. I feel like I'm going to do that. And then the weekend comes and you're up with your mates and this. And boxers, what's already in the game, what's doing well, they'll always have their mates around them. 
certain mates going, oh, let's go here, let's do this. Yeah. But it's not the mates what's got to get in the ring. Okay. It's them what's got to get in the ring. When that bell goes and you're not as fit as you want to be, you're not as sharp as you want to be or as strong as you want to be, yeah. and you're looking out where your mates are, because I've been there and I've done it. I've been there and done it, and thankfully I've got the T-shirt so I've got away with it. Yeah. But you learn along the way. Yeah, so discipline, dedicate. Discipline. Yeah. When it comes to boxing, there's nothing what comes before boxing, if you want to make it. Yeah. Not your mum, not your dad, and this sounds selfish, not your kids. Well, you're just being honest, aren't you? Not you yeah. Listen, boxing is the, boxing's the sport. You can, you can go in the ring and legally get killed. Mm. And we've seen some terrible accidents in boxing. And you have to give it, you know, and you have to have a lot of belief in yourself. And, you know, one week, maybe you may go in the gym and you may get a pasting. You may get a pasting for two months, three <laughs> months, four months, five months. But if you're good enough, yeah, you'll make it. But it's discipline. Brilliant. What's your plan with your boys boxing? I seen young Cruz had his first fight on uh, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, Big he did. Cruz. Yeah. yeah. Um, what would you want them to do? I mean, ideally, do you want them to be professional boxers? Do you, do you, do you know what? My oldest one, he's just interested in doing what he does. He's not really ever been in, interested. He's done little bits. They all can hold their hands up. Because if I'm going to the gym, they're in with me. Yeah. If they're in with me, they've got the gloves on, they're doing the bags, they're mess fucking around, sparring someone in the gym. I love watching them in the gym. Yeah, it's do you know what I mean? They're around. Um. My my middle one, Steve, he's like, he's tipped his toe in a little bit, but he's sort of like me, likes his food a bit too much. And my one, Cruz, he, he loves it. Really? He loves it, but he's, he's got so much confidence and he's got so much belief Probably just being around me a lot because he's always with me, but like just being around me and, and like, he's had an older brother. And yeah, he, do you know what? Like you, he's did. got yeah, he's got three brothers. Yeah, and he's got he's just got so much belief in himself. It's second to none. He he believes that he's he, it, when he boxed the other day, they give him like a little WBO word. He believes that he's going to get the real. I'm getting so this is only a fake one. I'm getting the real one. <laughs> Took him to the gym last night and <laughs> he got his gum shield. It was a new gym, Amigos gym. Friends of mine run it. It's a good gym, one of the best amateur gyms I've seen. To be he fair, goes, yeah. it reminded me of. Uh, it's not far from here. Okay, nice. It reminded me of the Chesant days when I went there last night. It took me back a bit. And uh, the trainer there, Clifford, he went right. Have you got your gum shield? And Clifford went, asked if he's got his gum shield, Billy John. He went, no, I don't need it because I'm not going to get it. But your boy, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. He's only seven, but he jumps in every tens and eleven-year-olds. But look, and that was after he had his fight. Yeah, he, he only had, had his, his fight, fight the Saturday. other day. Yeah, but. <laughs> The main thing is for me, look, as long as they can defend themselves and not abuse the power, obviously, but as long as they learn to hold their hands up, anything else for me is a bonus. I'd love them to get in the amateur side of things and do well on the amateur side of things. And maybe if it comes to pro and they wanted to do it, if it was right for them, yeah. it'd be right. But what I've done in my career and everything I own and what I've done, when I leave this earth, I know I've left it, it's in good hands. It's, yeah. I've done it for them, yeah. not for no one else. So really, they're hard work in a way. It's not no shortcut in life because my sons, they all, I, wouldn't, I don't ever spoil them or give them money. Like I'd make them, I'd make them appreciate a yeah. lot of things. But it's a hard living. Mm. 
it's a hard, hard living, a professional fight. And this is why I say, when I say dedication, when people say, oh, it means dedication, all right, I won't eat that, I won't. No, no, dedication. You, you'll know what dedication is when some of you make it. You'll realise at the end of it, all right, that, I had to be dedicated for that. Because there's two different dedications. Dedication on a diet, dedication, but then there's dedication to make it. Laser beam. It's, it's a, it, Jimmy Tibbs said to me before, it's tunnel vision. And I used to think, what does he mean by tunnel vision? I used to think, but then I realised what he meant. As you got older. It's tunnel vision. Anything can happen. Now I've had deaths in the family. I've had everything in the family. Like, and boxing's always been around it. Right, I've got this here. I've got to attend it, but I've got to back box. I've got to forget about that. It's hard, but I've got to get back. My mm. brain's here. A massive burden you carried with that as well, mate. <coughs> I mean, look, it's, like that, it's... So when it comes to my boys... I wanted to do well unless one of them was extremely gifted and extremely good where I think, do you know what, and he really wanted to do it, I'll go, do you know what, let's sign you up. Oh, I'd love it, mate. Do you know what I mean? We're oh, signing up. it'd be up. great. It'll be, uh, it'll be great. Ten years' time? Oh, well, look, I'll tell you what, wouldn't it be good, like, to bring, you know, bring a world champion for and it could be your son, like, that would be, be... beautiful. That would be, like, you know, there wouldn't be no money or nothing ever could, like, replenish that could there be nothing in the world that could come up nowhere near against that for me yeah. you could say to me like i'll give you all the money that bill gates all of these have got you could be have trillions and trillions or your son to be world champion <laughs> yeah. if he was good enough not if he wasn't good enough because it, it wouldn't be good enough for me because i wouldn't want him to go down that road but if he was good enough i'll go yeah let him be world champion well, how lucky for your dad that he got to experience that, eh? Do you know what? Sometimes I think about that, but my dad's so, like, with me, if that was my son, I wouldn't really know, but my dad's, he's obviously very happy, very proud inside, but he, he and I know he is, but he's, uh, he holds it in very, very, like, very, very well. Like, you don't really even talk or brag about it or nothing like that, do you know what I mean? You see all these dads mm. taking their kids here and their other sons when we was there, and when we was rolling up, deep down, he knew we was going there to take, take yeah. over. But he'd just be yeah, shake hands. He was very passive with it. Yeah, and that's well. one good thing he's always had, my dad, is that. Last question then. Um, when all is said and done, Billy, how would you like to be remembered in boxing? Do you know what? I just like I'm probably remembered sort of a I don't know, like a lovable rogue, sort of. I'm bad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's love or hate, in it. But I would always like to remember to say, Do you know what? Every time he come out. He done his best, yeah. And if the best outweigh the bad, I'm happy. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for coming today. Thank Billy. you very much for having me, lads. I enjoyed pleasure. it. Yeah, pleasure. Um, guys, you've been watching episode five of Keep a Lookout with Billy Joe Saunders. All the best. God bless. God bless.